Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. In this moment that there seems to say a sense of uncertainty, in this moment that we see the political polarization, that at the end of the day, it's not our politics that will save us, it will be our humanity. And so I'm hoping that we lead into this moment in the spirit of love and in the power of love. And just as those 600 people on the Emmett Pettus Bridge were able to change the course of history, knowing that they would be met with resistance, knowing that they would be beat, knowing that they didn't have government on their side and they didn't have a little resource, a lot of resources, but what they had is they had a deep sense of their humanity and had the audacity to believe that they could change and transform the world through love. And so I stand here as a product of that work and I leave you with, well, the first thing I did right was the day I started to fight. Keep your Yes, and she continues to to get everybody singing with her next song. She wasn't there to perform. She was there to get a humanitarian award, uh, which, of course, well-deserved at the Kennedy Center. Let me welcome the great Latasha Brown. Thank you for coming. Hi. I'm so happy to be on here. Oh, man. Always happy to be in discussion with you, sister. Well, you know, um, I I reached out because I said we need a strategy session. And I don't think there's very few people doing strategy the way you do it. So I was like, let's let's talk. Before you you came on, I was talking about the brother in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who literally had his brains blown out on the ground face down uh, 10 days ago. And I, I said, I don't know what to do about that. And I tend to not talk about things on these airwaves unless I have like, okay, here's one, two, three. Here's what we do. We got to vote. We got to do this. We got to boycott. We, I don't know what to do about this. You know, it, the, the challenge is we keep looking at racism as it is just some individual bad actors and not really look at the fundamental structural nature of these systems that are designed that they dehumanize certain groups of people and that they are rooted in the context of racism. That this question, you know, I know that there were many who had a issue with this um with the phrase defund the police for a variety of reasons, right? But the one thing effectively that 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 phrase did, it made us look at and examine you know, police in, the, in this country, because the fact of the matter is we have not called ourselves to really examine the very structure of policing in this nation. The bottom line, unfortunately, I think we will continue to see these kinds of acts because we've so created a system that dehumanizes a group of people that our very humanity is never in question. It's never the first consideration. This was a man on the ground that was of no threat in the moment that was being restrained, could have been restrained, but his life meant nothing. And that if we are literally in a nation that we are supporting any kind of system, any kind of force, any kind of institution that at the very least that is supposed to be uh, created to serve and protect but instead it has it so has a framework that dehumanizes um our people in our community that dehumanizes folks that may not look like them or groups of people that we've got to literally recognize that we've got to restructure dismantle and shift the entire paradigm of that particular system so as i i'm watching that happen i'm 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 thinking grand rapids michigan you know what's the power structure there 
who is in charge who because you know i think we we get outraged at that thing which we should be outraged we should you you said uh this is not going to be about our politics it's going to be about our humanity and i i couldn't agree with you more but we also need a power play i started off the show talking about elon musk who is you know using his inside voice outside playing games pulling you know pulling strings messing with the stock market you know, doing all these things that most of the time only happens when we can't see it, you know? Right. And I was like, Oh, he is revealing some things. Are we paying attention? Is, is Twitter worth $40 billion? He knows it's probably not. Is he really trying to buy Twitter or is he doing something else? And like, we start asking these questions, then why are we supporting these things? And how are we supporting if those dollars that we actually have built because black Twitter's everything on Twitter, When's some of that money being funneled into our community to do things? And what's the ask? And when are we demanding things? So, like, I'm looking at all of that and saying we can do more. We can do more. And it really it really does rest with we have to have a fundamental um, rethinking about how do we hold the value of life and humanity? We really do. You know, we we can we can blame um different systems and different yes i mean the bottom line for everybody that says you know they're they're you know they're bad police officers and good police officers absolutely the police have done great things and they've done bad things absolutely all of those things but what we're not really dealing with is we're not dealing with the fact that racism built herself a house and all of us are living up in it and at the end of the day, if we want to have something different, then we're going to have to create and build something different. And so part of that, what I think that the only thing that would allow us racism is so entrenched, you know, into the very fiber of every single aspect and institution in this nation, that the only way that we're going to really be able to transform it is that we're going to have to go to, as uh, Stephen Wonder says, we're going to have to go to higher ground. We're going to have to go to higher ground. In order to go to higher ground, there's going to have to be a different kind of consideration. We can't take a consideration around this is the Democratic position or this is a Republican position, or I'm a conservative, so I'm going to be over here, or I'm a, Dem- I'm, I'm a liberal, so I'm going to be over here. We're really going to have to go back to basics around there's something that is called humanity. And every single system that we create in this nation should be in service of that. That should be secondary to your police force or the fact that you want to keep a particular kind of system. That should not be secondary to your corporation. That should not be secondary to your money. At the end of the day, the core thing, the one gifting that we have is we have our humanity. And there has to be a deeper sense and a value of that. And what I believe is all that we see that is being hurtful and harmful that is happening in this nation that is happening around the world comes from a lack of an understanding and appreciation of something as basic and fundamental as the precious and the sacredness of humanity. And so I am hoping that, and and I'm not saying that until some altruism, that's just the truth, right? If you had a really deep sense of humanity, it would be, you wouldn't have the ability to be able to shoot a man in the back of his head Right. Um, who 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 showed you no 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 threat in that? No no no. Moment. He did. He had the audacity to not comply. Because if comply. you would just comply, if you would just, I told you to get on the ground and put your, and you didn't do exactly what I told you to do. So therefore, right. I'm going to stick this butt of the gun in the back of your head and pull the trigger. Not one time, Latasha. Not two. I saw three puffs of smoke, and I said, "Wow!" The first time rendered him lifeless why'd you keep going because that's what hate will do 
hate will perpetuate itself. It will grow. And, it will, and, and that's why I want us to stop. We got to stop and really recognize what this is about. This ain't about your political position. This is about there is something fundamentally wrong when it is when we give license to any human being in a nation to be able to blow another man's brains out just because he didn't do what he said to do. There's something wrong. I don't care where you are on the spectrum. And if you are unable to see that, then there's something wrong with your humanity. You need to put your own humanity in check. And so I think that what we've got to do is we've got to really be able to shift the paradigm and stop thinking of ourselves as political animals and start seeing ourselves as humanity. And that fun, and that be our starting point. Now, does that mean that we're going to all agree on the same policies? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we're going to all want to see the same solutions? Absolutely not. But I can guarantee you that this, that if there was a baseline of a value of our humanity, the way that we would fight would be different. Right. The way that we would engage in difference would be different. There's nothing wrong with having differences. Matter of fact, I often say I don't believe that America's problem. I say this all the time is that we don't know how to get along. That's not what I believe the issue is. Right. That I don't believe America's problem is that we unified. Because when were we unified? I, when people say that, like, it ain't like it used to be. Well, when was that? Like what? What? Take me back to when America was unified. Right. But. What America's problem is, is America has not developed the depth of character and the mm -hmm. capacity to differ in ways that we can still duly hold that we have difference in political ideology and we have a, there is an alignment in the value of humanity. If we had a basic value of each other's humanity, there would be no reason for war anywhere well, in the world. No humans uh, are allowed no humans are found in a system that started with the three-fifths compromise and you're compromising literal people you're compromising the value of a human being to a three-fifths to a fraction right so how right, crazy that is. right and that's in the constitution right so this is how crazy that is like 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 you have the the ability to determine of how, that somebody is three-fifths of an actual human being. Now, who gave you that right? Like, like even so, there's something even wrong with that thinking. Where, where did that come from? But then they you have to spend your own humanity to even get to that point. Yes, and it is in a constitution that we all have to pledge allegiance to on some level instead of saying, oh, this document is so flawed that we shouldn't go forward with it because it's no longer relevant. Let's, let's do a new one. But I digress. We, we ain't even close to getting there yet. I just need us to win Georgia <laughs> That's, right now. I just need Reverend Warnock to win. And then we need to go to South Carolina and make sure Gary Chambers wins in Louisiana. We need to get at least two or three of these seats in the Senate so that we're not constantly doing what we just went through with, with a Supreme court nomination. Like we just need to make sure the midterm elections turn out a certain kind of way. So take us through the anatomy of, you know, cause this is not, November for you or even whatever primaries you've been doing this for a while to get to November of 2022. How much leeway, what is it that people who are listening right now, cause they're all over the country can do to help and give us kind of the blueprint of how you think about these elections. You know, there are polls that come out and there's kind of the political campaigns, the ads that come out um, and predictors, but at the end of the day, people win campaigns. It's really that simple. People 
win campaigns. And so what I think is a fatal flaw, and I think this is part of what we need to think about strategy, you know, you got one goal. One goal is how do you move the people to actually operate in their agency? And part of what I think one of the biggest um, misnomers, is one of the biggest mistakes uh, we make in this nation, and particularly, you know, I think in, um, in the Democratic Party and the progressives, is that we are perpetually looking for the Messiah candidate. You know, who is the candidate that is going to move and mobilize and inspire? And that's good. Now, we all want a good candidate to get behind. But what I have found in my work is that that is not sustainable. You know, case in point, as much as I love, you know, um, and worked, you know, on the Obama campaign, one of the flaws of it, one of my critiques about it is that his infrastructure was so centered around him and his personality, whether that was intentional or by default, that fundamentally, even when they tried to translate it um, into organizing for America, that infrastructure did not could not last, right? Because it was too candidate, it was too personality centered. And so what I think that we have to do is we have to literally evolve in our politics that yes, we have to really recognize that there's some considerations to move people. We're gonna have to be young, go beyond this whole notion of we getting the next Messiah candidate. There we're going to have to go beyond this notion of this is about um, participation. You know, this is if you don't if you don't vote, this is your you know, your 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 responsibility. You're letting go your responsibility. Yes. While all of that is true, that ain't what's moving people. At the end of the day, people move when they see their vested interests and when they feel a sense of power that what they are doing is going to make a difference. And the way that I think you do this, and this is how we've done this in, in Black Voters Matter, is we had to shift the focal point. You know, I give a case a point of, of the 2017 election in Alabama as a reference when it was a U.S. Senate seat that came open. Now, the bottom line is Alabama is a state that 75 percent of the population identifies with being Republican. So this is a state that it is damn near impossible to get a um, um, a Democrat in any of a statewide race to win in a statewide race at this particular moment um, and based on who is registered. Not based on who lives in the state, though, because I actually think that's a that's a separate uh, a separate issue. But just given those dynamics, there was a particular opportunity. And when you are aligned, you are in place in position and the opportunity in the right circumstances come along. You can literally shift. You can change things. And I think the 2017 election was a prime example of that. There was an election where there was a deeply, deeply damaged Republican candidate that was leading the ticket that by all intents purposes, it should have been a walk in the park for him, right? But there were, were, were competing fashions and he was a weakened candidate, right? And quite frankly, he was a racist and he deserved that seat, right? But aside from that, you know, in that particular moment, in that opportunity, people were ready to respond. And as a result, you know, in a very, very unlikely race, right, the people were able to capture this seat and this and, and make this and put a Democratic senator, Doug Jones, in office for two years in an area that is 75 percent Republican. How did they do that? They were ready. It's point blank. They were ready. They moved. They saw the opportunity. They organized. They out-organized. Uh, we out-organized the other folks, other side. Point blank, period. That's how you win elections. And so I'm using that because I want to go and I want to take people back to 2018. 2018, we had this amazing candidate that who, by the way, I am prophetically saying is going to be the next governor of the state of Georgia. Is going to be the first black uh, uh, a female governor in this country, Miss Stacey Abrams, who... Um, 
who have openly and uh, support and think that she is going to be a brilliant, one of the best governors that this nation has ever seen. But I, I want to take people back to 2018, that in this election, with all of the energy that had been happening, all of the organizing, it appeared that we lost, or it appeared that the candidate that many of us wanted to win, that she, they lost, that she lost, right? And not that she lost, but that it was stolen. Because if people really remember, they recall that Brian Kemp, who's the current uh, crooked governor of the state of Georgia, um, had dropped off hundreds of thousands of people from the voting rolls when he was in his previous position as a secretary of state. He has abused his power as secretary of state and removed hundreds of thousands of voters, disproportionately voters of color and poor and marginalized voters from the voting rolls, right, that ultimately gave him an advantage. And while we fought that, one of the things that could have we could have said was, we did all of this work and it didn't even matter, right? And But instead, we were like, we took all of that anger and we was like, oh, so when y'all go low, what we gonna do? We gonna go hard. So what we gonna do is we gonna organize some more. We gonna create and we gonna start right now. And what happened? Two years later, Stacey wasn't on the on the ballot, y'all. We didn't have, we, she, we, she wasn't on the ballot, right? We did have um, Reverend Warnock, but he was a first time candidate. He had not run for office before, right? And so what happened? People literally voted in historic numbers that literally we flipped the state. Then we came back at the audacity a few months later in the middle of the holiday season at the top of the year and captured two more Senate races. As amazing as those candidates are, and I do believe that Reverend Warnock is an amazing senator, and I'm so proud to call him senator. One of the fundamental ways that we approached it is we did not center the campaign around a candidate or even the political party, whether, oh, if we do this, the Democrats going to have power. What we centered it around is we centered it around us. We literally, our campaign said it is about us, that fundamentally what we have to do when a community is in struggle and we are trying to change the trajectory of outcomes in our community, we ain't got time but to really be able to go after all the power we can get. And we recognize that in that moment, what it would take to get there is literally building this broad-based coalition of people to actually center on the long-term win would be that we would be engaged in a process that we are literally seeking and taking power and changing the dynamics in our state. I think that's what it's going to take this year, Karen. I think it is we're going to have to organize. Now, we've got some additional challenges this year, so I can't even say it's going to be a walk in the park. We got what, SB2. What, what, what did they do in response to both Warnock and Ossoff? You got you two Senate seats who are Democrats in Georgia. What, what, did they, what was the response? You know, it's, it is, it's a response that all what we see, particularly in this nation, when we've ever seen Black progress, we've always seen a backlash. There's always been a backlash. And so immediately, you know, right after that election, what we saw, well, one, we saw the insurrection um, um, last year, but that's a whole nother story. I won't, even, I won't even go fast forward on that. But what we saw immediately in the state of Georgia is we saw a, um, a, a backlash where there was in the legislature, there was a bill, the Senate Bill 202 that passed that literally did a number of things. One, it restricted access or work to restrict access um, to the ballot, of giving, um, of shortening the time for absentee ballot voting, um, a number of things that actually um, uh, would make it a little bit more, more difficult and hard for people to vote. The second thing is that it literally created a process in which um, it criminalized 
organizations that were supporting um, that were that were 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 supporting voters. Something as simple as if you giving out water and food, that the end of the day, that's a criminal offense. Can you imagine that? In a state that had the audacity to have since they had people waiting in line, not two, three, four hours. There were people that said and stood in line to vote for 11 hours, 11 hours, Karen. And so organizations were actually providing water and comfort, recognizing that people were standing in line for long hours of time. In addition to that, they also created processes um, to shut down, uh, um, uh, to not have mailboxes, um, that voting boxes, to also weaponize the process where they literally gave themselves power that they could take over the election boards. They could dismantle. They actually gave themselves power that they could overturn an election if they don't like the results. So they went full-fledged out there. And so what I am saying is this election, what I want us to really think about is you can't let somebody come up in your house and take your stuff and don't have no consequences. But the <laughs> bottom line is that ain't how that rolls. So I think we have to really recognize that there's kind of, we've got three jobs this next election cycle. One, we've got the job that we've got to literally push and come out in record numbers because we do need a win. We do need to make sure that we are protecting our wins and that we're maintaining, keeping people in office or putting people in office that actually will look out for our interests. The second thing though, we got to send a strong message around consequences. If you all are coming at us at voter suppression, we got to come out in record numbers so that we have to inflict some pain that Whenever you come for us, we're going to come harder. You can't just come to, come for us and there's not consequences. And the third thing is there has to be an overall understanding that the only way that you strengthen democracy is that you got to have democracy. You got to practice that. And what is the practice of democracy? The practice of democracy is a robust participation of all citizens. And so we've got to really recognize what is at stake this election cycle. We have to organize in a way that, like I, like I said, that is not just about the candidate. Yes, we got to utilize the candidate, but we actually have to continue to build out the ecosystem and really center this. This is about power. This ain't about one position. This is about power and literally continue to build and tap into, you know, the other benefit that we have is that we've got an electorate that is younger and far more diverse and more progressive. That's like having all of the all of the numbers are on our side. I want people to recognize part of the reason, Karen, why the, why the Republicans are doing so much to cheat is not because they winning, they're losing. The bottom line, they have to go through extraordinary measures because of the, the, the numbers are actually on our side. When we're seeing where the growth is coming in this nation, the growth in this nation is coming from communities of color. When we're seeing the growth in this nation, it's coming from younger voters who have a whole different kind of level of tolerance around difference and change. And so we really have the opportunity, the opportunity to go forward. We got all of that on our side. The question is, will we utilize the power that we have? So, you know, there's this um, this constant refrain, especially as we get close to election time. We keep giving them our vote and we don't get voting rights. We don't get reparations. You know, there's like a laundry list. We put Biden in office and he's disrespectful. So why should I vote? And there's certain people and I watch the folk that that are pushing this. And if you are someone that is, you know, pushing voting, you're sold out and you're part of the establishment. And I'm like, do you have you ever won in any game that do you know how to play anything? Everything strategy. Whether we talk about chess, checkers, marbles, there's strategy with everything. And black folk have never been invested in Republicans and Democrats. We've always been invested 
in power and rights for us. Mostly we've been invested in y'all leave us the hell alone. Basically, we we <laughs> we don't even want power. We just want y'all leave us alone. Stop burning down our communities and doing giving us crack and stuff. Just leave us alone. But they know no, we want some power. Now we, we want some no, power. Let me, let me we just want say, our power. That's our power. But if we if they leave us alone, they know they know that it's an unstoppable force because we're gonna keep building the same people that built this country. When you let us out of slavery, what do we do? We built communities, and then they got jealous. They want to burn down everything because it's like, I don't have a cow. I don't have a piano. How y'all got all this money? Y'all got oil too? Oh, let's burn it down. <sighs> I'm just, all right. What do you say to the, our vote don't matter crowd? You know, first of all, it's not true. Cause at the end of the day, all of those people pay taxes. All of those people literally are where their place of employment um, is impacted by policy, where the, how they buy, get a mortgage on their house is impacted by policy. Every single aspect, you can't even die in this nation and it's not impacted by policy because somebody has to create this something called a death certificate and insurance and all of that. All of those things are governed by policy. And so I do understand, I don't want to dismiss, I understand the frustration around saying, well, is I'm getting frustrated with my vote because hell, I feel like that oftentimes. So I understand that, right? But the reality is I, even in the work that I do, I, I never tell people that I think that voting is a panacea for everything. That's not what I think. What I do believe though, is when my community is in struggle and that we're fighting for our lives, I have to literally use every single tool available for me to be able to protect and literally reduce the harm happening to our communities. And But that's not the only thing that we do. We have to literally be able to engage in what the process and the governance is now as we build something forward. It is not true that your vote doesn't count when at the end of the day, you don't think that there's a difference in a policy. That's, you know, that's, that's ignorance and arrogance that would make one say that. Because I ask a mother, does it matter if she actually has access to food stamps or not when she's working in minimum wage? You ask someone who's actually went to a court system where there was a certain DA in office and then another DA in office, whether that made a difference between they got or not. So to say that is just not true. I don't even entertain that because it's just not true. The part that I do believe that is that is at the core of the frustration that we can't we can't overlook because the truth of the matter is we have to really be honest about the power of voting. And we also have to be honest about the limitations of voting. And so the part around that is that I often talk about that we have to literally be able to recognize that voting is one intervention. And, but there has to be many other interventions. We should be thinking about how are we institution building. We should also be thinking about how are we creating new thinking around self-governance, right? We should be thinking about how do we create new approaches to problems that are coming in. There has to be an evolution of sorts, but it's kind of like someone saying, like imagine Twitter saying, or these platforms, part of what made social media um, social media um, uh, 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 a possibility is that there was something called the internet that was called the World Wide Web. Now, when you look at the World Wide Web as it was first imagined, right? And what is happening now, they ain't the same, but one lend itself and open up the space for the other to create and develop. And so all I'm offering is that in this moment, that when we're thinking about voting, like we have to really be able to look at voting as a way, if nothing else, to reduce the harm happening to our community, that literally to be one additional accountability tool. And yes, I understand the frustration about the frustration about we didn't get this and we get, didn't get that hell. I done got arrested um, this year for like uh, cutting up about, about voting rights legislation that's not been passed. But more than just having a transaction or wanting a win on a bill, Karen, what I want 
is I want transformation of this nation. And what I recognize is that I am in protracted struggle. I am a student of history. I am a student of the movement. People think that what Dr. King did in the 1960s and others did the civil rights movement in the 1960s, it was just like black folks woke up in 1960s and we started organizing and we, we got these advances. That's not what happened, right? I can take people back to that. There were folks organizing in the 50s like Amelia Boynton in Selma over a decade prior to that. And then there were those others that we're in protracted struggle. And when you want something better, more than a transaction, when you're trying to get a transformative change, it is going to be ebbs and flows in that. And you have to really recognize that you're building, like my grandmother, you say from faith to faith or from glory to glory, that I, we're building from, from, or from organizing base to organized base. And that every single time that more of us are engaged in a process to have the audacity to say that we're going after our power, that it makes us stronger. It creates for the next layer and then the next layer and then the next layer. I, you know, I look at folks, I, even I, I, my, my, one of my friends, my guy friends hate, hate when I use sports analogies, but I often think about, like, I think about some of the greats. I think about someone, you know, I think uh, uh, like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan got cut from the team. Like now he could have taken that cut and said, ain't no good ball player. This thing ain't working for me. Right. But what did he do? He actually was like, okay. Like, let me study the game so I can excel in the game, that I can literally use my skills and my gifting and master the game so that I can get to where I need to go, right? So I can play and be the kind of player that I want to be. And I think we have to look at it in the same kind of way, too. The and, bottom line is, yes. Let me just jump in on that because it wasn't just he couldn't do it. He was dropping double nickels on Boston Celtics. It Come wasn't on. until he empowered the Scottie Pippins and all the other ancillary players on his team that were not great before he got there. He made them believe that they were great. So that he could win because nobody does this by themselves. Nobody, nobody does this by themselves. And so even in that space, and I'm glad you raised that because I think that's what the power of organizing is. That the power of when we're going out organizing, it ain't about a candidate. It's not just about a political party. It's about us. And there is no way that when people are engaged in a process to get power and make their community more powerful, that that doesn't have some, 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 some access or some benefit to us. There is no way. Even though it may look like a surface on one end, right, on the better end, you better believe that we're coming back harder and stronger and better organized and, and be better able to actually push the envelope forward. And so that's how I look at elections. I look at elections as one tool and a set of many different tools that we need to move our community forward. And at the very least, right? And then at the very least, it can reduce the harm. But also we have to recognize that part of even voting isn't just about who we need to get in. Sometimes we need to vote just to get some folk out. Like if some people are hurting your folks, sometimes we got to use that as a strategy to send some consequences that you can't come after our community and then you still stay in a space of leadership and a position of leadership. We coming after you. And so we also have to recognize the many different ways that we can use this power and this tool of voting so that we can create space for ourselves so that we can organize in the way that we need to organize to create the, the institutions and the environment that we can flourish in. Who can we deliver some pain to this uh, primary season and then in 2022? Which which elections are you? Black voters matter. Which ones I are listen. you and Cliff looking at? Let me say off the bat, the Senate got to go. <laughs> so we are talking about I'm talking about Missouri. 
that we need to capture that seed in Missouri. We need to capture Louisiana. We need to capture, um, 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 keep the seats in Georgia. If we need to be every single Senate seat that is up. We literally need to be going at it like it's nothing. The Senate has to go. I, you know, there's Nevada, one in Nevada, Nevada. I think there's one, yeah. Um, there's a Senate seat. I'm sorry, Nevada. I'm missing a state um, that we're working in. Uh, um, not Arizona. Uh, I'm missing a state. It's It'll come back to me in a minute. That's all right. It's all um, right. We're going to have but, a list. Just send it to me if you don't, because I want to go. I, I want to use this platform to just every day go through the list because we have people, a list. I just got a 51 go. year old brain that just that's, like, that just, don't, just, don't, we're not doing that. <laughs> Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. But, but, but the, but the bottom line is these Senate races and particularly these six Senate races in particular, we need to go after these seats as a vengeance, not just for those individual races. And yes, we need individual senators in these States, but the way that the Senate has literally operated in a way to block any progress coming through. Right now, we got to acknowledge that. The truth of the matter is, yes, while we were able to make a shift in the Senate, the Senate is evenly divided, y'all. It's 50-50. And so at the end of the day, those that have stood in the way, I mean, just on GP, listen, if nothing else, the fact that the level of disrespect that the Senate showed to Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, like, I don't know if people know, if you were sitting in the gallery, what you would have known is that Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul, Rand Paul waited 30 minutes just so that he could draw it out so that he could say no. But I want to give people the visual of what actually happened, that when there's a rule in the Senate that in order to go to the Senate floor, you have to have a tie on. You have to be in a business attire, but you have to have a tie on. And so they literally took their ties off because it wasn't no big deal. It's just a black woman getting ready to be confirmed for, for a judge, like 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 to, to send this message of disrespect. They took their ties off so they didn't have to come in the chamber. And do you know what they did, Karen? They literally stuck their hand through the door and did a slow um, thumbs down that level of disrespect. Here's a woman who has been a public servant who has excelled in their systems, the same systems that have tried for years to keep her out, right? And their level of racism um, and, and disrespect just alone to say that this is what we're going to do to send a message. And this is a historic, they've never done that before, right? We've never seen this kind of disrespect for, for a confirmation hearing um, um, in that level at that particular, it's one thing to see Bannon on the floor. It's a whole nother thing that now you want to, you want to add the other theatrics to say that we disrespect you. And so I'm saying that that has been the attitude of the Senate. Y'all, we can't let the Senate get away with not just that, but we can't get, let the Senate get away with literally not even wanting, wanting to give billions of dollars to corporations right after COVID, but not wanting to give people money. We, it's our money to actually have the audacity to be millionaires, most of them, right? To be millionaires and literally create uh, create this space that, that they give themselves insurance but don't want the people to have insurance. They got to go. Beg Latasha Brown to stick around because we got to get these states. So everyone listening, uh, some of y'all are in these states. Some of y'all need to get on board. Uh, join blackvotersmatter.org and get involved in organizing in your state. But let's get the states, Latasha. Thank you for sticking well, around. Let me tell you the eight states, because the states that we're focused on, you know, and I apologize. I couldn't think of it. I couldn't think of that state. I was like, Alaska, it was really Arizona. But the, the states that we're engaged and we're watching, and these are the states that are the battleground states. There are eight states that are battleground states. Arizona, Florida, because y'all got Val Demons down there. We got Georgia, Nevada, 
New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. That's where the, I said Missouri, but I meant Wisconsin. That's where the, that's where the fight is. That's where the battle is. So if you are in Wisconsin or Pennsylvania, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Georgia, Florida, Arizona, uh, Nevada, listen, it's time, y'all. It's time to put your boots on. Like, we need to be organizing in ways that we have not organized before. And if you're not in one of those states, this is a moment that literally I can tell folks that in Georgia, you know, while Georgia people pulled it off, we got so much enormous support and help from people outside of the state. I remember there was a, a group of sisters, a group of um, and, and a Japanese, um, like a sewing group out in California, up in San Francisco, that did postcards. And they were like, we want to do postcards and we'll send them a list of thousands of lists. Like those little old ladies was like, uh, we threw with that list. We were like, what? Y'all finished already? Right. Literally, there were so many people all over the nation that actually helped and support. And I can't tell you how it makes a difference. Sometimes Literally, because we, we do get tired, like when you're in the state and you're on the ground and you're in the grind, sometimes just having somebody to send you a postcard, sometimes just having somebody to call to know that they care outside of your state will make the difference. So if you are in one of those states, but better yet, if you're not in one of those states, pick one of those states that you're literally going to give some money to an organization, pick one of those states that you're going to literally volunteer, whether that's do phone banking, whether that is writing postcards, whether that's creating some graphic to lift that up. This is a moment that we need all hands on deck. If we don't do anything else, we got to get that Senate. And those Absolutely. are the eight states that it really is possible to get a, um, to really be able to shift the power that's in the current city in those eight states. And if you pick a state on social media, hashtag that state, you know, is there a hashtag that will go with a state? Is there something that black voters matter is the hashtag with that state? Let me tell you what they can do. What they can do is they can actually text us because we have a big text messaging campaign because many of those states, six of those states we're actually working in. Um, but what they can do is they can literally text us 25225, 25225, text voting to 25225, and we'll be able to update you on information and ways you can get involved. And if you forget the numbers, all you got to do is look at your phone and spell out black. Two five two two five. <laughs> that black. spells black. Right. Two five two two five. You better come on with it, black. That's right. I so love it. Look, look at your phone and spell black and write uh, voting, um, and and text voting to that. You can also check on our website. You know, if you can go on our website and check. Um, we often have information, particularly the states that we're deeply, deeply involved. We're doing a lot of work in Georgia, our core states of Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. And then we're actually working in, in Wisconsin. And we're going to do some work, some some light work in Arizona and the brothers and sisters in Nevada. We supporting them, but they're going to have it going on out in Nevada. Mm. And so we just really think that this is a moment. And this is a moment that goes beyond around this notion around political parties or even literally in the context of racial identity. This really is around, are we going to move this nation forward? Are we going to let this few, this small group of people who actually weaponize race really about keeping and, and, and protecting their economic interests? Because let's be clear, you know, the, the goal is for this small ruling group to actually maintain power at the expense of all of us. And so it's going to take all of us to bring course correction. On that note, she got all of the awards that she deserves, the 2022 Humanitarian Award, which she sits uh, with people like Nelson Mandela, John Lewis, Brian Stevenson, Marion Wright Edelman, C.T. Vivian, Dorothy Height, 
Cheryl and Eiffel, and now you are the 2022 recipient, and you gave an amazing speech that ended. Now, and that's I wanted to play the whole thing, but I was like, we only got 10 seconds, three seconds. But I was like, you got to come back. You're here. I'm going to play you out. And I want to say thank you again, Black Voters Matter, Latasha Brown. Say hi to Cliff for me as well. 2522, text them, get all the information, and we're going to play your voice. Thank you for being here. Thank you. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.